Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's July 14th. 1867, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. Now, when you're launching a new product, you always want it to go with a bang. But you've got to be careful when that product is dynamite. Demonstrated for the first time in the UK today in history in 1867 by Swedish scientist Alfred Nobel, who'd already lost a brother in an accident in his family's explosives factory. Yeah, I mean, contrary to its image as something that a Looney Tune hastily tosses over their shoulder, (laughs) dynamite was actually a huge safety innovation. It harnessed the explosive power of nitroglycerin, which was extremely powerful but dangerously sensitive. At the time, gunpowder was the strongest explosive that was relatively stable, and so that was a popular choice for blasting rock, etc. But it was nowhere near as powerful, and it also ignited coal gas and coal dust, which was the cause of many a mine explosion, as you can imagine. So there was a huge need for something like this. And Alfred Nobel's path to being the person who would make this particular innovation to make nitroglycerin safer was a bit curious because he was born in Sweden but spent his early years in St. Petersburg in Russia where his inventor father uh, had set up a small business that was developing sea mines for the Russian government. So already a bit of explosion going on. But young Alfred had actually had ambitions to become a writer, but his father thought that a scientific career would be a better thing for him to do with himself. So he sent the 16-year-old to apprentice in a laboratory of a noted French chemist called Theophile Pelouse. And it was here that he met Ascanio Sobrero, who was an Italian chemist, who told him about this fascinating substance that he had discovered, which he was calling pyroglycerine. Uh, And this was an oily liquid that exploded with great force when it was detonated. It also went off at very high temperatures, but even if you had some sort of uh, relatively minimal contact, small amounts of it could also explode. So it was dangerous stuff. And so it was this that really captivated Nobel and made him want to uh, explore the substance further, not least because he could see the potential commercial advantages. And this substance, if you haven't already guessed, dear listener, was not pyroglycerin, but nitroglycerin by the time uh, Zabero had finished with it, although he wasn't very proud of his invention, uh, either before or afterwards. He didn't see any use for it, partly for the reasons that Nobel had to solve, which was that it would just explode suddenly (laughs) and was quite dangerous to transport. Uh, But also he wasn't proud of it later either, uh, writing, quote, when I think of all the victims killed during nitroglycerin explosions and the terrible havoc that has been wreaked, I am almost ashamed to admit to be its discoverer. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, for Nobel, as you touched on, this was shown in tragically personal fashion in 1864 when his younger brother and collaborator, Emil, was killed in a nitroglycerin explosion at the family munitions factory in Stockholm. After this, Alfred built a factory in a more remote area near Hamburg in Germany, where he manufactured blasting oil, which combined 
nitroglycerin and gunpowder. That was supposed to be a way of making it safer. The factory was rocked by explosions in 1866 and 1870. And in 1866, a crate of blasting oil exploded in a Wells Fargo office in San Francisco, killing 15 people. The explosion was so powerful it shattered windows half a mile away. Did you see what Nobel did, by the way, for health and safety in the factory? Oh, yes. <laughs> he installed this regime of insisting that the workers who were monitoring the reaction had to sit on one-legged stools. <laughs> so the idea, sort of Go on. Homer Simpson style, was if they fell asleep whilst they're monitoring the creation of explosives. I mean, you'd think that would be enough to make you pay attention. But if they fell asleep, then they'd immediately wake up because they'd lose their balance. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, any one of those incidents would dissuade me from being involved in this whole enterprise, <laughs> I think. But, I mean, the reason that they weren't working in Stockholm anymore was because the Swedish government had decided to basically ban experiments trying to make nitroglycerine more safe. And so various people actually pursued the continued experimentation elsewhere, including Alfred. Before he moved to Hamburg, he actually continued his experiments on a barge on Lake Malaren. So he actually just went a little bit offshore so as to be able to continue his work. But basically what he did to finally create dynamite was that he discovered this type of silica called diametaceous earth, which was ideal for mixing with nitroglycerine to make it more stable. And the new substance that he created which he called dynamite after the Greek word for power, dynamis, uh, could actually be moulded into different shapes. And then once they were uh, created usually into sticks, they could then be safely transported and would only explode when triggered by a blasting cap, which he also developed. So the creation of both this stable substance and the blasting cap together came to be the thing that we know as dynamite. Yeah, and aware of the reputation of explosives, you know, not helped by his own experience with explosives, his first idea for a name was Nobel's safety powder. But then he settled on, you know, it's like brackets underneath small font, not like the one that killed all those people. Um, but he eventually, yeah, settled on dynamite. And Britain was his first big target due to its large empire. He knew that Britain needed lots and lots of dynamite. So in the spring of 1868, he set off on a tour of the UK's mining heartlands with a suitcase full of dynamite demonstrating it, you know, like he's trying to sell you a lemon squeezer at the local market. Um, Britain would start making dynamite in 1871, so it did catch on. i got to say, safety powder for explosions. Sounds like the kind of contradiction in terms that you'd be like, wait, what are you selling me exactly? <laughs> Infinitely better after the rebrand. And, you know, very quickly he set up factories all over Europe. He had one in Sweden, Germany, Scotland, France. And Italy. So he was able to manufacture it all over the place. But I think after this, he really lost his, I suppose, because he knew what he had created. And even though he had meant for it to be uh, put to, say, mining applications or demolition, it instantly had this obvious military appeal. I think it's then that he turned away from the whole business and started to make things like synthetic rubber and leather and artificial silk. He really wanted to have other strings to his bow so that he wasn't just remembered as the person who invented dynamite. What brings us to the Nobel Prize origin story slash legend, because he is indeed the Nobel of the Nobel Prize, the 
the legend says that his brother Ludwig died in 1888 and a French newspaper mistakenly thought it was Alfred who had died and ran an obituary which declared the merchant of death is dead and that supposedly, you know, he's reading it over his breakfast, you can imagine, in some continental hotel. That acted as a Christmas carol-like wake-up call for Alfred to clean up his legacy. However, there is no proof that this obituary existed. And oh, also, no. I know, I'm It's such sorry. a great story. Yeah. I know. The story is he's like, I'm not going to have this be my obituary. I'm going to I'm going to become a good man. I'm going to create an award ceremony. Story. I I'm going to neglect the fact that my brother's just died in Cannes and that should upset me. <laughs> this well, is going to be my driving force. The other thing is that dynamite was used for military purposes. It was first used in bomb in 1870 during the Franco-German War. But at the same time, a lot of people confuse it with TNT, usually because, you know, mid-century cartoons just put TNT on all mm. explosive things. But that was the one that really became the munitions explosive. But, you know, with the problem is the reason that this story has sprung up is because we really need an origin story because Nobel was known to be a pretty reclusive figure. He didn't speak in public a lot about his thoughts and feelings about anything. He had lots of intellectual pursuits. You know, he was an author. He spoke lots of languages, but he didn't really share insights into his mindset. And it's a shame because obviously the Nobel Institute has then become such a huge thing mm. that it needs to have a story, but there isn't really. The closest he did come was... He wrote a letter to a famous pacifist called Bertha von Suttner in 1892, and he didn't seem to harbour any regrets. He said, My factories may well put an end to war before your congresses, for on the day that two armies are capable of destroying each other in a second, all civilised nations will surely recoil before a war and dismiss their troops. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) The fields that are awarded by the Nobel Prize include physics, chemistry, physiology, medicine and literature, and peace. You know, it seems almost tacked on. It's not an area of scientific or even artistic inquiry. It's it's something that seems more motivated by a person who wants to create a sense of, you know, himself being other than, something other than the creator of dynamite. Which we can all understand, can't we? Christ, how would I feel if I'd invented this thing that had killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions mm. of people? Oh, I'd, I'd want to be remembered for something else as well. Peace, that's a good one. We can all sort of understand how that happens. But it's interesting. I just I didn't know that there was a question mark over that story with the obituary because it's such a strong story. It's relatable. You understand it. And yet maybe the truth is simply that like people are complicated mm. and maybe not for some psychological <laughs> bad devil and good angel on his shoulder, maybe just because people are complicated and the person who's interested in developing chemicals that explode is also interested in peace. Mm. Yeah, I mean, whatever his motivations, on the 27th of November 1895, he made out a will at the Swedish-Norwegian club in Paris, which left 94% of his total assets, about 1.7 million at the time, which is about 200 million in today's money, to establish the five annual prizes at the time. Economics was added in 1968, after Sweden's central bank donated a large sum to the Nobel Foundation to mark its 300th anniversary. This edition actually didn't sit well with Nobel's descendants, and to this day is actually officially the Bank of Sweden Prize in Economic Sciences in memory of Alfred Nobel. It's still not officially one of the main prizes. Well, it's funny because his relatives actually disputed the thing from the very beginning because they didn't like the idea of (laughs) old Alfred leaving all of his money to something as ethereal as a fund for the recognition of great works. They wanted the money and so they actually (laughs) disputed it, took it to court. It took four years for his executors to convince all of the relevant parties to follow Nobel's wishes, but that's in the end why we know his name at all. I doubt we would know the inventor of dynamite as well as we know the name, the Nobel Prize. And actually, if Nobel wasn't so concerned with his own legacy, 
there are lots of things that he could have been doing before he died in the early part of the 20th century to make dynamite safer. I mean, I found an article from the New York Times in 1905 that was talking about how you could, in New York, buy dynamite for just $10. And it wasn't being regulated. They had to circumnavigate the risk by keeping it on powder boats moored off from the mainland. Just surround it with boats full of safety powder. I'm sure that would have been the And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.